You're listening to Real Talk on RCR, Reality Check Radio. It's pretty special for me to have my next guest. Um, You'd be surprised to know that for my next guest, the violence at Albert Park that horrified New Zealanders up and down the country and indeed around the world would have come of no surprise to him. Indeed, Mr. Trevor Loudon has been warning us and me of what we witnessed on Saturday for I'm guessing over 40 years and I suspect longer. He is an astonishing uh, researcher. His interest and passion is researching, well, he'll tell us, but I guess it's neo-Marxists, the new left, the extreme radicals within society, first in New Zealand and now in the United States and around the world. And his scholarship is such that I'm sure you could say he's done 10 PhDs on the personalities and what they've got up to. When I was a member of parliament and the Helen Clark administration would appoint some lefty to or radical to some esteemed position within our government, Trevor could be relied upon. I would ring him and I'd say, oh, so-and-so's just got this job. Can you tell me a little bit about them? Oh, yes. And Trevor would tell me all about this person's life, what they'd written, what they'd done, to the extent that it horrified the Prime Minister to some of these people that she had appointed. Such is the work of Mr. Trevor Loudon. Trevor, welcome to Reality Check Radio. Well, thanks for having me on, Rodney. It's a real pleasure. Real pleasure to catch up. Well, you and I, we've got to tell the listeners, because this is exciting. We go back a wee way, don't we? We do, Rodney, and I'm actually in Rangiora right now, where we both went to high school. I'm just down the road from the high school right now. So you're back in New Zealand? Yeah, I'm back here for 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 a few more weeks, visiting family and doing some research, and uh, you know, just generally catching up. And so, uh, yeah, been it's been quite the social world so far, I have to say. So, what was it like to go past Rangiora High School when we were little kids? Yeah, well, look, I look at the assembly hall, and it, it seems so gigantic when I was little. Now it's uh, it seems so small. <laughs> and but but all the all the areas, a lot of it's all filled in now. You know where we used to hang around at lunchtime and out at the back of the library and all that kind of thing. But yeah, it's pretty cool to catch up to to see the old place. Where did you go to primary school? Went to Kaipoi North Primary School. Ah, because So I lived down just down the road from your relatives in Meadow Street. Ah, what were my relatives down the road in Meadow Street? Well, you had so, there was a Hyde, there was a Hyde family just down ah, the road from me in Meadow okay. Street in Kaipoi. No, well, see, I went to Rangiora Borough, and then we uh, went to the same high school because Rangiora High School was sort of the big school for the district. Okay, Trevor, enough reminiscing because that'll be very boring to listeners. Tell us what you're doing now. But I mean, not what now, I, what now I, but what you're doing in the US of A. Well, what I, I've been over here permanently for for about seven or eight years. So I'm married to an American, and I, I tour around the country. I make documentary movies. I write books. I do public speaking, basically about the American left. You know what I say is America is in a socialist revolution right now. You know the Democratic Party's been taken over by Marxists, and they are instituting the same kind of revolution you would see in Cuba or Nicaragua or anywhere else. And um, my latest, my latest, well, my last book is actually two books, Security Risk Senators, where I go into the the, the communist backgrounds of 40, no, of, sorry, 30 currently serving US senators. And my next books is going to be a series of six called House Un-Americans, profiling over 100 US Congress members their Marxist ties, their Chinese connections, Cuban connections, Russian connections, the whole whole, bang, whole shebang. 
there's a revolution going on and it ain't it ain't the good kind of revolution they had 250 years ago it's the opposite and i'm there to try and help push back to some degree when you say and this has been you've been telling me this for decades in fact when did you start sounding the alarm on this trevor well back really in the 80s when new zealand went anti-nuclear um, you know, this was a big thing in 84, 85, you know, when the Labour government came in and they uh, they eventually ended up picking US warships out of the harbours. And um, at the time, I met a New Zealander who had infiltrated the New Zealand Socialist Unity Party, our Communist Party for our security intelligence services. And he was in Moscow training in 1983 when this whole New Zealand thing was was organised. Um, it was organised from Moscow, but, you know, one, one I, I doubt that 10 and uh, 4 million New Zealanders know that to this day. It was, it was organised to basically break New Zealand out of the American alliance with the hope that that would spur on the destruction of NATO. Well, it didn't work out that way, but we're still living with the legacy of it today. And what, what the guy taught me was this. He said, most of what you see coming out of the New Zealand Labour Party or the Australian Labour Party or the British Labour Party or the American Democratic Party comes from Moscow and Beijing. And so, so the Chinese communists, for instance, will they'll indoctrinate Australian or New Zealand communists in a certain idea. They'll take it back. They'll make it labour union policy. They'll make it CTU policy. And the CTU will make it Labour Party policy. Because so none of, of this, got, none of this happens just in a vacuum unique to New Zealand, right? No, this is a worldwide program. You know, when when the when the British Labour Party is in power, the Communists are in power in Britain. When the US Democratic Party is in power, the the, the Marxists are in power in in, in America. Let, let That's why you, you've got Obamacare, open borders, all these things. Let me pull you up there because. Um, when you say Marxist, my eyes yep. just glaze over, right? Of course. Because yep. it means I consider myself quite well read. Obviously, I know who Karl Marx uh, was. I've actually read the um, Das Kapital and the Communist Manifesto. I know his malign ideas and where they originate from and the devastating impact that they had. But of course, they're very woolly ideas, deliberately so. And I know that they have been transmitted down um, and twisted around and morphed and all the rest of it. And it's very, very bad thinking. And it's endemic uh, within the university. And you'll be chatting to a 24-year-old engineering graduate who has no idea where the ideas came from that they're spouting to you. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, you have researched where they've come from and you have researched actually who delivered them into New Zealand, probably. Yeah. But when I hear the word Marxist, my eyes glaze over. And when I hear the phrase communist takeover of the Labour Party, my eyes glaze, glaze over because it seems like a rhetorical label a trick it's like when i get called a nazi because i'm on reality check radio or a white supremacist because i'm part of the river of filth it seems a cheap throwaway uh, disparagement which right. to everyday people like me provides no content do you follow what i'm saying like Look, I, I absolutely follow you know people think communism died in, yeah. in, in 1990, they think communism is a Che Guevara T-shirt. Yeah. Um, the Marxism, but if you if you look at society now, you look at the um, you look at Black Lives Matter in the United States. You know that is a pro. That's a Chinese communist operation. You look at the radical LGBTQ movement. Now that is a Marxist-driven movement. Because the old Marxism of the Marxism of today is not focused primarily on economics. They moved the Marxist principles into gender. They moved them into the LGBTQ movement, 
barbecue movement, into racism, um, the environmental movement. See, the old Marxist thing was the workers would rise up and take the wealth of the exploiting capitalists. Now it is the oppressed peoples of color will rise up and take the wealth and power and privilege from the white Christian capitalist patriarchy. But it's the same, it comes from the same Marxist movements. It and came course, from the same communist parties. And, and of course, it's anti-West. It's all anti-West. Yeah, Anti-family? It's, it's, it's anti-family. It's anti-religion. It's anti-patriarchy. Uh, it's anti-any any stabilizing social values that we have, all our history, our, our respect for patriotism, our respect for our veterans, our respect for family, our respect for religion, all of that is trashed. You know, and even, even the idea of an objective reality and truth. Exactly. When, when you cannot say that males are males and females are females, how can you expect people who don't even know what gender they are to stand up for any principle or stand up to defend defend any any decent values? When it's an so extraordinary. Lost. I mean, see, this is where I, I – here's the next thing I struggle in. I hear what you're saying. I understand it. I've read, um, I'm starting to read every book I can. I'm just finishing Andrew Doyle's book on woke culture, and I've got the thanks to Marie Buskey, I'm on to cynical theories. Of course, I know about the Frankfurt School, but I struggle to believe that a bunch of broken down old academics arriving ahead of escaping Hitler and arriving in America could have this extraordinary impact on the thinking so that when I'm talking to a local teacher or the principal of the school, I'm actually hearing the Frankfurt School, if you know what yeah. I mean. I, I mean, I'm sitting there and thinking, what? And I struggle to believe, given how hopeless the Soviets were at organizing anything in their economy, and um, maybe the Chinese are better, I don't know, they look pretty rigid to me, that they can sit there and conspiratorially organize this. But I guess what they do is, is they only have to seed the ideas. Yeah. Well, well, How does it work? Multiple. How does the transmission work? Yeah, it's a, well, well, in economics, the trans, you know, Lenin said the economic, the, the transmission belt of communism to the masses was the labor unions. So the labor unions play, they transmit the socialist ideas to the masses. Like in the United States, for instance, the communists took over the labor unions in 1994. Before that time, they were pro American, they were patriotic. But Democratic Socialists of America, a Marxist group, took over the AFL-CIO in 1994. Then one of the first things they did was change the policy from being anti-illegal immigration to being pro-illegal immigration. So the unions completely changed the policy. So the unions used to have guys on the southern border protecting the southern border against illegal workers coming in. Now they are lobbying congressmen to keep the borders open as much as possible to bring millions of new Democrats into the country. And so to undermine it's, it's, the country too, right? Because part of it is just yeah. undermining. I had this well, right now. Right now they've got that there's a 700% spike in Chinese, Chinese of military age coming across the southern border. Now, what are they no. doing? No, yeah, seven hundred percent spike. That absolutely is true. Seven hundred percent spike in Chinese nationals of military age coming across the southern border. They, they have, they be, the Russians have been doing this for a long time. Hezbollah has been doing it for a long time. Hamas has been doing it. The Cubans have been doing it. They would have probably, who knows how many people inside the United States now ready to commit sabotage or blow up a train or, you know, um, poison a reservoir or whatever they want to do. 
But th- this is the thing, you know, the, the communism, communism. It, it, well, okay, you look at look at Sue Bradford, you know, your old friend Sue Bradford, yes. who introduced this the no smacking bill into New Zealand. Now you tell me, has that had an impact on families in New Zealand? Has yes. that made it harder for people to discipline their children? Yes. And yes. are we seeing a spike in crime and social breakdown because of that? Yes. Okay, Sue Bradford is a Maoist communist who trained in China. Yes. You know, she was part of the Workers' Communist League, one of the most subversive groups ever to exist in New Zealand. That one woman has had an impact on the social fabric of this country. You know, the founder of the LGBTQ movement, Carrie Hay from Los Angeles, was a card-carrying member of the Communist Party for many years. But he started up the Mattachine Society, which eventually became the gay rights movement. So you'll find all of these movements, these subversive social movements, you'll find Communist Party roots behind them. And then the, the Chinese, the Russians, the Cubans will direct money into these groups. They will train people in Havana or Beijing to, to keep these groups going, to develop these groups. So most of the people in them have no idea what they're doing. Well, I've it's like, you, like the woman's... I had the interesting example because we had Donna Awateri Huata as our MP in the oh, yeah. Yeah. And she yep. told me, she was upfront about it, that she was radicalised while at university. Yeah. Um, so there was that generation of Maori who went off to university and she went both, I believe, to Cuba and to Libya yep. um, to be, as she described it, trained. She said, you know, they weren't all that excellent at it, but it happened and then shuttled back to New Zealand. That would be that would be how that would be totally correct in your view, right? The so-called Maori radical movement in New Zealand, which is now almost mainstream, you know, with the, uh, you know, with Maori representation on boards, etc. That started in the 1930s um, with the Communist Party of New Zealand on direct instructions from Moscow to start to work towards Maori separatism, a separate Maori um, sort of government inside New Zealand. And that really kicked off in the 70s because the 70s was, you know, the Vietnam War era, you know, and everybody was about Mao Zedong and Che Guevara and Fidel Castro. And that's where a lot of these young Maori radicals like Rebecca Evans and Donna Awateri, they were they were acculturated at that time. Yes. And so they their 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 descendants now are the ones running the Waitangi Tribunal, they are running the Human Rights Commission, they are running the the you the the government departments that are pushing this bilingualism into schools. They're pushing all of this renaming institutions, changing the name of the country. This is all Marxism. This is cultural Marxism using the minority movements to achieve social change. And they to what end, Trevor? To what end, Trevor? Well, well, the the end is a complete shift away, a, a complete revolution. Uh, uh, you know what they would say is New Zealand is run by white, um, white rich white Christian capitalists. So therefore we have to undermine Christianity. We have to undermine the capitalist system. We have to empower the minorities so they're actually more powerful and to achieve a total social revolution where the marginalized people of color become the dominant and ruling people of this country. And through them, we will impose socialist values and socialist policies on the country. They, they do this with the Aborigines in Australia. They do it with the Blacks in the United States. They do it with the Catholics in Northern Ireland. They do it with virtually every place in the world you see minority um, conflict, you know, social group conflict, you know, the um, in, in, in Sri Lanka with the Tamils in um you know, France with the Moroccan 
refugee, you know, rocket Moroccan immigrants and Sweden with the Iranian Im immigrants. And you'll yes. see the communists using the minorities to achieve social change. And of course, Trevor, it's falling on very fertile ground. My great intellectual hero is Sakao Popper. Right, and right, from Canada University. He, yes, he warned us of how the intellectuals, right from Plato down, are given over to totalitarian thinking. Yeah. That I, I'm, I've been to university, or I'm a clever person, therefore I need to design society and tell everyone what they should be doing and how they should be doing it. Now that intellectual wouldn't would scoff if you said to them they're a communist or a Marxist. But what they're doing is they're wanting to boss everyone around because you know that's why they're studying, you know, to do what's best for society. And then they imbibe these ideas um, within an intellectual framework. So it's, I think it's quite important to realize that it's falling on a fertile ground. And I saw it in the environmental movement of which I was a part, because when I was a part of it, I thought it was a scientific thing. And it shocked, yeah, me, yeah. To, it shocked me to my quick to realize at a young age, well, you know, I dedicated 10 years of my life to it, I was in my 20s, that the professors who I admired here, here in New Zealand actually weren't interested in the environment. What they, yeah, well, were, an they, they were interested. And I mean, this was deliberate. The professor said to me, um, oh, you know, what we're doing is we're producing these graduates who are going to infiltrate um, government departments and provide for the greening of New Zealand. You know, that is to say, um, uh, his greening of New Zealand wasn't about greening New Zealand. It was about control of New Zealand and deindustrializing. Now, funny enough, I don't think of him. I don't think he would. Everything he did was socialist. Everything that he did was Marxist. He didn't see himself that way. He saw himself as taking over and directing New Zealand to a better place by establishing enormous control in Wellington. So much so that you can't paint your garage. Um, you 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 can't put a driveway in without consulting with local iwi all this sort of stuff that was happening i saw in the universities in the 70s and 80s and it was literally his graduates that implemented it well that's exactly right and but there is a definite marxist root there too if yes. you look at the beginnings of the values party yes. or the green party in new zealand most of the founders of both of those groups were bona fide marxists yes but that movement has permeated so much into the universities and the culture that a lot of the people implementing this stuff have no idea. Some of them would call themselves conservatives. Some of them would probably vote national, you know, or, or well, Donna, whatever. Donna. But they implement. Sorry. So I, I I do this all the time because I get excited. I'm going to have to learn not to talk so much and interrupt. Donna told me that literally the Maori sat around with the onset of MMP and decided which parties they would join. Mm, mm. And they decided that she, you know, liked money and fancy things, and so she'd be an ideal fit for the ACT Party. And mm. I saw this firsthand because these, the Maori turned up to Parliament in different parties, and when you had MMP, you had... Maori sitting around a select committee or a cabinet committee they'd be from different parties but they were Maori first and so they would agree they would agree on everything right yeah somebody from labor would have had the same policy that someone from act would have and from they the would national party from and, whatever and you'd see john key sitting there and he's trying to manage the Maori Party and the ACT Party and the Maori MPs and ministers from the Maori Party and the Maori MPs and ministers from the National Party would agree on whatever policy that they wanted pushed and the ACT Party would oppose it, say, 
And then 50-50, he would give it to Maori. And it was this constant, constant push. And you're looking at it and you're thinking, this isn't being decided by philosophy or reason or argument. It's being decided on the basis of, you know, I'm Maori and she's Maori and he's Maori, so we all agree. Yeah, that's right. And the, But the, there is an, even behind that, there's a Marxist underpinning because... Yes. They all believe they're part of an oppressed minority. Yes. They all believe that the, the power structure is corrupt yes. and needs to be changed. And they will work through whichever political party suits them and they'll coordinate their activities to achieve their long-term agenda. And um, but the, you'll find there'll be a, you know, Donna had a Marxist background. Yes. Um a lot of the a lot of the Labour Party Maori people had Marxist backgrounds. They and, all were part of the same social groups at university. And when you say a Marxist background, it's not that they're sitting in a in a garrot studying Das Kapital. It's the ideas that are percolating through their heads. And Marxism at a superficial level is very seductive to a young mind. Yeah, you know, you, you you can blame all your problems on the society. Yeah, you know the, the the system is stacked against you. The way to change that is to to change your personal circumstances is by changing society to suit. You know, by changing the social structures. So they go to university. They listen to these uh, professors like like. Um, uh, what was this? You know these Maori Marxist professors, and they 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 basically imbibe this stuff. But this really does come out of actual Maoism, out of actual Marxism. You know the Maoists, for instance, ran the university students' associations in America and New Zealand right through the sixties, seventies, eighties, into the two thousands. This is where Chris Hipkins comes from. This is where many of the Labour you know, um, from Twyford to um, Trevor Mallard, all these people come out of this Maoist movement. Would they the realise where they're coming from? Oh, absolutely they do. You know, they were part of, they were hanging around with the Workers' Communist League or Radical Society. They may not have always been members, but they knew who they were working with, absolutely. It's chilling, isn't it? Mm. Well, New Zealand is in a revolution. You look at you look at the environmental regulation that's destroying businesses, about to destroy farming. You look at the racial, the racial disharmony that is being caused right now. See what we got to understand: this is not stupidity. This is not just ignorance. This is malicious policy to change the existing social structures of New Zealand to this new progressive future. And we're we're in it. We're in a revolution now. Most New Zealanders have no idea. Where all the stupid, where the stuff comes from. When you say it's all stupid, you're being stupid yourself. These people are part of a movement, and they have a different idea of the future. And it ain't the New Zealand we grew up with. It's a progressive, green, environmental um, thing where where everything is Maorified. And look, it's not even anything to do with Maori. You know, it's it's no. If if if, if no. the uh, if if the uh, if, if the Zulus were the main minority in New Zealand, it would all be about Zulu culture. You know, if the um, if the Mormons were the main minority culture in New Zealand, it would all be about Mormon culture. They will use the minorities to change the policy. They use the grievances of minorities and exaggerate the grievances of minorities to enact policies of social change. And they'll guilt people out well, we've been horrible, we've been terrible, we've all been racist. Well, if we have to accept affirmative, you know, affirmative action, if we have to accept, you know, Maori control of all these boards, well, that's just what we've got to accept because we've been such horrible people in the past. Well, I'm one of these stupid people, truly, because I had you in my ear, I had Owen McShane in my ear talking about um, cultural marxism and the culture wars and it would sort of oh god just i can't you know i wanted to argue and have reason and have debate but i realized that what these this 
this ideology or this it's not even ideology it's a depraved philosophical outlook was pushing debate to the margins it's not about debate and you'll be amazed to know that i had a dinner just me and a couple of students with the great legendary tom soul and oh, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. the black economist yeah and we were sitting there and he painted for me where New Zealand's trajectory was going. And I'm sitting there in 1989, I was thinking to myself, Tom, I love your books, I love your work, I love your scholarship, but you know nothing about New Zealand because this will never happen, right? And he said, oh, you'll find that lecturers will be deplatformed within a university. No, that would never happen in New Zealand. You will find the races are absolutely antagonist. No, Tom, we never had slavery. and No, no we're curious. He did it to the T because, like you, he understood the philosophical thinking that was being imbued in our universities and our primary schools. And I'm like most people now, waking up, to use the phrase, and thinking, oh, my God, what's happened to New Zealand? We're now called Aotearoa. Every government department has a Maori name. Men with penises can put on a dress and hop into a lady's toilet. Um, and if I say anything about it to protect my girls, I'm a fascist and a shut down yeah. and screamed down uh, by the newspapers. Everywhere I look, I see I'm discombobulated and disoriented. But for someone like yourself and Tom Sol, this is, as you say, the 1930s. This has been germinating for decades. Yeah, this has. Well, well Thomas Sowell was a Marxist as yes. a young man. He understood the Marxist thinking and he rejected it, but he understood the tra trajectory. He understood what his former comrades were still doing. And I, I look, I could, not being, you know, I just read their stuff. I read the Marxist publications all day long. I can tell you what they're going to do next. The war that's coming on meat. We're not going to be able to eat meat in the future if these people have their way. The legalization of pedophilia, the legalization of all sorts of drugs. You know, these are things that if I'd said 10 years ago, people would never have believed it. But, you know, if I'd said, if I'd said to you 10 years ago, you're going to have 24% of young California kids not knowing what gender they are. Is that the number? See, you know, yeah, it's roughly 24% now. That's what they're in California. They don't, they're not sure what, they, they're not sure. They, they're, they're flexible on their gender. You know, if I'd said all of these things to you 10 years ago, you would have just laughed as you would have. You would you dismiss what Thomas Sowell had to say because you're not, you know, you're looking at the areas of debate. You're looking at, you know, you got into politics because you thought if I give the right ideas, yes. people will accept the logic and they'll make the changes that are going to make things better. But Mark, and we, we make the mistake of thinking that Marxism is just another idea that we can counter. No, it's a whole system of organization. Marxism, Leninism is about organization, achieving power, marginalizing your enemies, discrediting your enemies, vilifying your enemies. And basically, it's an organizational structure rather than ideas. You know, the ideas of Marxism are crap. They don't, but Lenin, who took over Bolshe, over Russia with 2,000 people, his ideas have proven themselves time and time again. You know, Fidel Castro took over Cuba with, with less than 100. You, know, you only need a few applying Marxist-Leninist ideas, and you can elevate a tiny splinter group into controlling a country. You know, the LGBTQ movement, movement in this country is more powerful than the National Party, in my opinion. Of course. You know? I know. You know, it is. But, yeah. but how many of those? Well, the, national, the National Party is running scared of them. 
That's that's right. They're scared of a minority of a minority. You know, homosexual people are two to four percent of the population. The radical gay movement is is ten percent of two percent. One of my but, homosexual friends who was in the uh, gay pride movement, and when I say friends, I, an acquaintance would be a better word because you know we just used to catch up and discuss matters of political moment when I was a politician, and. He was absolutely horrified because the activists took over the movement. Yeah. And I hadn't appreciated. And I mean, this is a, it's always a sleight of hand that occurs, right? Because I think rightly, we say, yeah, if you want to be a homosexual, we're not going to lock you up. It's your body, your life, you know, knock yourself out. But, you know, be discreet and you know don't go for the kids all that sort of stuff but i'm not an expert on this but a gay guy doesn't think he's a woman he doesn't deny biological reality he's saying i'm a guy and i'm attracted to guys and a lesbian says i'm a woman and i'm attracted to woman now funnily enough in that movement i don't know what the numbers are but they find the trans thing an attack on them is that yeah but it's the next step isn't it you know look, we all step. supported the we all supported the homosexual law reform movement you know legalize homosexuality put everybody in equal footing fine but i knew and we knew that was only going to be the first step and i could accept yes. that first step because i thought it was a just thing but you knew that it was going to come go further and further and further because it's not about the rights of homosexuals. No. It's not about the rights of transgender. It is finding a minority that can be manipulated into enacting social change, to bring in hate speech laws which shut down freedom of speech, to, to change social policies, to change education, to destroy parental rights. These, because these, the smacking, these groups the smack, are just being manipulated. Yes, and the smacking thing mm. wasn't about smacking as such. It was about who's responsible for your child. Yeah. And the Sue that, Bradford exactly. legislation was all about the government is responsible yeah. for your child, not that's you. That's right. It's, it, it was, a, it was a, an attack on parental responsibility. Yes. I was sitting in the Christchurch Arts Centre one day when that was all going down, and a local gay rights activist, um, who I could name, was talking to his friend. I overheard this conversation. He said, yeah, he said, we're getting some pushback from some of the national MPs about this anti-smacking thing. I'm working with the Prostitutes Collective. We're gathering dirt on national MPs we can use to blackmail them to supporting this legislation. I heard this guy saying this within five feet of me. You know, I just sat there reading away. And, um, you know, this guy's now in Palmerston North. But, uh, you know, there's still a radical gay activist. But this is, this, they'll use anything. They'll use blackmail. They'll use intimidation. They'll use covert means. And of course, we have that wonderful language, Trevor, where, you know, what is it, the People's Republic or, you know, the Democratic North Korea, um, yeah, where they yeah, throw, yeah. throw these words around. And of course, we have this wonderful thing about inclusion or diversity. And you think, well, I, you know, I, I want to include everyone in society. Yeah, I think it's good to be diverse. But it's nothing about inclusion. It's nothing about diversity. It's about rejecting you, uh, throwing you out, um, attacking women, and all this is done under inclusion and diversity or kindness. Oh, you know, we, tolerance. You know, that rabble on Saturday at Albert Park was all about tolerance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Posey Parker was here to defend the the right of women to compete in women's sports with other women, not men pretending to be women, and and it was and she was accused of being the hater. Now, have yes. you seen more hatred spewed from a mob than what you saw yesterday? No, they were just completely consumed by hate. 
And she was just a reasonable woman wanting to make a fair point. And she was thrown out of the country to the great detriment of this country, including the tourist industry, by the way. And, um, but, but it's all about, you know, you know, the, the introduction of hate speech legislation. Well, that's all driven by Maoists. The idea of hate speech, you know, the, the, uh, our society is founded on the idea that you can say anything you want, no matter how objectionable it is, because you have the right to free speech. But that's been taken away because they brought in this, the Maoists brought in this concept of hate speech. That means that if you can classify something you don't like as hate speech, you can shut it down, which is what they're doing right now. But we need to understand this is Maoism. This is communism. It's important to point out to listeners here that one thing I know about you, Trevor, is that when you're saying, oh, this was brought in by the Maoists, a lot of people will conclude that that's a hypothesis that, you know, you've said in its high rhetoric. But what I know about you, Trevor, is that you have spent decades traveling New Zealand and now the United States. And I remember you staying with me and you'd go off to the library at, on your holidays at when the library opened and be there till late. And you were reading the minutes of these organizations and their letters and their notes. So when you say it was brought in to New Zealand, that's not a hypothesis from you, is it? No, it isn't. Like I can in the states, in the United States, the um, the hate speech legislation was really brought in by a group called the Communist Workers Party. In the in this country, it more came through the Workers Communist League and their allied organisations. And for instance, the Human Rights Commission, you know, that that really promoted some of this, you know, was headed by Joris Debrest for many years, who was an old Maoist. That's what he came from. He came from the, the, the from people associated with the Wellington Marxist-Leninist organization, which became the Workers' Communist League. And, and um, you know, Designan Thalkanan, a, a, a recent guy who was also in the Human Rights Commission promoting this stuff, was a member of the Auckland University Ra- Radical Society, a Maoist group. So these actual Maoists are infiltrating everything from Greenpeace to the um, to Oxfam, to the Human Rights Commission, to to major government departments, the Justice Department. You know, like you had Cheryl Gwynne, who was um, very high up in the Justice Department, was actually tasked with overseeing the Security Intelligence Service for a while. A former Trotskyist, a former member of the Socialist Action League. So I can trace the backgrounds of many of the policymakers in New Zealand right back to the communist movements of the 60s, 70s, 80s, right through to the 90s, the early 2000s. So, yeah, hate speech speech was brought into New Zealand by Maoists. And the interesting thing about this is, again, I've been incredibly naive and Mm. always um, think people are benign and all want to get along. And I think of, used to think, when you would tell me all this, that, oh, well, these people had uh, crazy ideas when they were at university, but, you know, they're adults now and they've all grown up. But the thing I have consistently noticed and noted, and so did Tom Sowell, but the difference is Tom Sowell repudiated it. Yep. And what I notice is that these people in our civil service and in positions of authority and respect don't repudiate it. Yeah, well, look, look at, at that Posey Parker rally yesterday. There's a woman got up and said, I'm a unionist, I'm a labor unionist, and I'm a communist. She said it right there. She's a woman in her probably 70s, you know, and and you're right. Most of these young kids will grow up and they'll mature and they'll get mortgages and they'll get families and they'll they'll leave a lot of these ideas behind. But but 
you know, that, that it is so permeated now that even those who are would no longer call themselves real radicals are still still have a, a still have vestiges of this in their thinking. But the, the real the real thing is they take over the institutions and they fire those they don't like and they hire those they do. So now whole government departments are controlled by these people from foreign affairs to the education department to the Ministry of Social Development, which is absolutely riddled with Marxists, you know, and they enact their programs on, on the country. I'm so naive because I remember we were putting three strikes through and we were dealing with the Ministry of Justice and we'd have these, um, you know, young graduates coming in explaining to us why we're wrong and um i'm reasonably okay with numbers and that just produced lies mm. right they would just take data and double it and treble it and divide it by the wrong number to produce why this policy was bad and then when you caught them out on it they'd just sort of say oh yeah that was a mistake <laughs> and sorry minister and the ministry of education was a hundred times worse. And I would say New Zealanders don't take much interest in the curriculum, but what's being taught to our kids in history, social studies and science on treaty, on gender is absolutely horrific. It's yeah. in the curriculum. That's the other funny thing, Trevor. They're not hiding this. It's not like it's a conspiracy. It's all out there in the open. You can go and have a look at the curriculum. It's hard work because it's written in this obtuse language, but it's all there, Trevor. Yeah, it's all glorifying the Marxist heroes, glorifying the Marxist programs. Yeah. Tell me, me and, and here's another thing that fascinates me. So successful are they politically and with language and indeed, I'd say a sort of it starts off as a soft extortion. So they say um, to businesses, give us money and we'll leave you alone. Mm -hmm. um, unions were very good at that. Uh, Maori radicals are very good at that. Environmental movement is very, very good at that. But you have lovely people who love trees and nature donating each month to Greenpeace. Not really. Yeah. yeah. And led, um, led, yeah, led led by the former Marxist Russell Norman, who was in the Australian Democratic Socialist Party, which used to be called the Australian Socialist Workers Party, and then became leader of the New Zealand Greens, and is now leading Greenpeace, and still the same Marxist he's always been, and a nasty one. If there's any other sort, tell me. Um, I enjoy listening to Victor Davis Hanson, who I'm sure you know of. Absolutely, and yeah. He is a great uh, source of information and insight, and um, I love it how he puts all this in a historical context going right back to the Greeks. But on a recent podcast, he said a number that um, I couldn't believe he said he couldn't believe it but it was done by one of the think tanks in washington dc i've forgotten the name it might come to me where they had gone through and toted up how much corporates in america had given to black lives matter are you aware of this yeah. number i look i know it's in the hundreds of millions of dollars i know billions billions okay 83 billion not million and I mean, this is another fascinating feature of this, that big companies are donating big money to these causes. Yeah, and, and a lot of it starts out as a soft blackmail, you know, they get people and, and go to their boards and they they raise these issues and, and they think, well, this is the correct thing to do. But then, and you've also got a lot of people in these boards now who've been educated at Princeton and Harvard. They are socialists themselves. Yes. You know, they have these social consciences, but then it becomes a hard blackmail. You know, you don't give us money. We're going to shut you down. You know, Jesse, we're going to organize boycotts against you. You know, Jesse Jackson was, a, was 
spends all his time shaking down Silicon Valley for huge amounts of money. But, you know, Black Lives Matter, which was basically run out of the Chinese consulate in San Francisco, organized by a communist group called the Freedom Road Socialist Organization, completely Marxist from top to bottom, was getting hundreds of millions of dollars from big corporations, woke corporations, ordinary, you know, you know, Wells Fargo, whatever, you know, politicians are taking a knee to these people, sports teams are taking a knee to these people. This was a tiny group of pro-Chinese Maoist radicals with all the support. So this is the point I'm making. Black Lives Matter is led by about 30 people. But look at the influence they could have. You know, Sue Bradford's Workers' Communist League was about 100 members strong. But they have completely influenced New Zealand education system and the justice system and stopped people even disciplining their children. And of course, New Zealanders, uh, I think, I can't speak for them, of course, or know them all, but it seems to me, um, after Saturday in Albert Park, they're now looking at our news media and they're saying, hang on, you basically set Posey Parker up by yeah. saying she was a fascist. News Hub ran a piece saying that she was she was giving a secret Nazi signal. I mean, yeah, yeah. And I mean, uh, why you'd go on if you were a Nazi on a News Hub and give a secret Nazi signal is is um, astonishing. But it was such a benign sort of she was fiddling with her. Um, her necklace or something, and they said this is a Nazi signal, and they blurred it out. We had the we had the Herald running these cartoons, with, which were disgusting, in their bigotry and toxicity, to use their words. Mm. And the news media in New Zealand sort of primed that protest for violence. Yeah, I, I think in a way, you know, they, they, they're going to initially deny her a visa, but I, thought, I think they thought, no, that looks bad. Let's let her in, but let's not let the cops do anything while our thugs wreak havoc. And so now that sends a message to any other conservative or sane, rational speaker that ever wants to come to New Zealand, this is the treatment you can expect because they might let you into the country, but this is what they're going to do to you when you're in there. I think there was an operation from start to finish. And isn't it interesting, the new Minister of Police appointed by, by Chris Hipkins is the granddaughter, Ginny Anderson is the granddaughter of Bill Anderson, the leading Soviet communist in New Zealand for 50 years, and a real chip off her dad's, off her granddad's block. Isn't you know, but she's now the she's now the minister of police. But the minister of the police are very proud, I bet, of their rainbow tick. Oh, look, they'll they'll be so diverse; it's unbelievable. <laughs> but look, you know, in the, in the states, and you'll remember this, Rodney, in the states, <clears throat> the police. You know, when the Ku Klux Klan wanted to march through Skokie, Illinois, you know, this the Klan, a bunch of scumbags, the police let them do it, and they lined. They lined, they, they lined up all along the march to keep the crowd away from the marches and the clan away from the crowd. They, 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 they respected the Constitution. Even idiots can have their freedom of speech. And they were there to stop the protesters attacking them and stop the clan attacking the protesters. That is how policing should be done. Everybody has a right to freedom of speech, no matter how objectionable you may find it. That freedom of speech means nothing if you can't, if someone you disagree with doesn't have the same rights you do. And but violence, that's not how it is in New Zealand now. And violence is violence. Violence is violence. Does you know? Look, you know that protester who poured uh, juice on Parky Poses here. She should have been up for assault. Of she course. should have been dragged away and charged for assault straight off. I bet she's still wandering around the streets. Oh, she's begging to be charged because she's now seen as a, and of course, yeah, she's seen as a heroine. I, I don't know. I, I mean, yeah. look, 
And the police and should have been there right from the start. There should have been a line of police between Parky Poser and the protesters. But and of course, Parky the police. Poser, pa- Posey Parker should have had her freedom of speech and she should have been free from missiles and, you know, loudspeakers and whatever, said what she said and moved on. That's how it should have been done. Are you optimistic for the future, Trevor? Well, yeah, I I am in many ways, despite what I've just said to you, Rodney, because, you know, the pandemic, the clampdown on freedom of speech right across the West has aroused a lot of passions. You saw that on the march in Wellington and the occupation of Parliament. You saw that in the Canadian truckers' protests. I'm seeing this all across the United States. So there's a bigger movement out there now than the Tea Party. And it's younger because you've got all these people been sitting at home for two years, reading their kids' school textbooks, watching their kids' Zoom sessions, watching their cities burn, and they're finally woken up to the fact that, yes, we could lose this country. And I think that's happening in the States, that's happening in Europe, and that's happening in New Zealand. It and is it's happening very gratifying to me. It is very huge. gratifying to me. It's hugely gratifying to me too. And what I've also observed, Trevor, here, um, through the parliamentary protest and um, farmers getting organised, is that there are leaders emerging, the next generation of leaders emerging, and they're not part of the existing organisations. The farming leaders that are emerging aren't part of Federated Farmers. Yeah. The people that are going to lead us in the future aren't part of the National Party, the ACT Party, or the Green Party, or the Labour Party. And you're seeing these people um, rise up um, who have a level of principle and charisma that you just know they're leaders. I mean, that's a great saying. You, you, you can't define leadership, but when you see it, you know it. You know, I went to a meeting with Matt King just the other day, and I thought yes. that's that's a, that's a guy for the future. Yes, there's, there's, there's people um, everywhere, and it's not going to be these um, tired old parties because the COVID experience taught us that the government, the opposition, the institutions actually don't care about us, and they won't even have the decency to be upfront and transparent and i think i would i would guess it's only a guess that posey parker if they'd left her alone she would have had at best a few hundred people in albert park yeah she would never have been reported people who are aware of the issue would have been all over facebook and said how wonderful it was but the great bulk of New Zealand would never have known she had been here. Mm. I believe that you'd have to be under a rock not to know that she had been here. And I think it was so bad that to any reasonable person looking at that, she made her point better than she could ever have imagined. I look, I, I think so exactly. And you think, and every parent out there who's got a young daughter, like mine was, you know, involved in athletics, you know, is thinking, well, I agree with Posey Parker. Yeah. You know, and, and look at look at our media, look at our politicians I know. condemning her. So this is what I'm seeing. We've been let down by our political leadership and the new political leadership coming through from the grassroots is what's going to save this country is what's yep. going to save the, the, the Western nations and, and, and even China and Iran and other countries as well. You know, when we get, when the, when the globalist push, the Marxist push is so in your face and, the, and their political leaders are not doing a damn thing about it, that's when the new breed of leaders are coming through. And that's what yep. we're seeing now. We see it in America. We're seeing it here. And but. That Jacinda Ardern, they were horrified by her. They they see the grassroots people here, and they're they're inspired. So this is a this goes yes. all over the place. And and um, what's great about your analysis 
is absent your analysis, without your analysis, you are looking at events as disconnected without a history. And so yeah. you're seeing, oh, the lockdowns, oh, um, women in my kids' toilet, uh, men in my kids' toilets, um, oh, this emissions trading scheme, oh, um, I have to ask the local iwi if I can put a shed on my farm, oh, um, this local council board has to have 50% Maori and co-governments, I'm, uh, oh, I have to call New Zealand Aotearoa, um, the Ministry of Transport, I don't even know what they're called anymore. They've got a funny name. Um, oh, and I'm an old white racist, and I think like I think, and they're going to be pleased when I'm dead. All those things are very discombobulating, and they're very cleverly seen as individual discrete policies. Yeah. But what your analysis provides is saying, no, this is a coherent whole of an incoherent philosophy that's taken hold. Yeah. And this has a long history, both yeah, around the world and here in New Zealand, and it can be understood. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because you see, you get angry about Posey Parker and what her treatment of her but you don't know what to fight against. Mm. But what your analysis does gives the history and the ideas, because ultimately it is ideas that we're fighting, right? It is, it is ideas and organizational structure. But see, as you say, people see all these, you know, the changing of the names, the, the transgender policies, the the horrible racist policies are coming. They see this as all a stupidity. You know, these are individual acts of stupidity. No, they're a comprehensive whole organized by Marxist groups to bring New Zealand into a revolutionary situation where the whole existing power structure can be upended and a new one imposed. That's what it is. And, and if your political leaders won't recognize this, you need to change your political leaders to fight back. Because this can be easily overturned, but yes. it has to be understood first. Yes. Well, thank you for that. Where do we go? Where do listeners go to find out more of your work, Trevor? Go to trevorloudon.com. That's my daily blog. Also, I have a website called keywiki.org. It's a pun on Kiwi. K-E-Y-W-I-K-I dot org. I got 154,000 files of communists, socialists, Marxists, radicals, mainly American, but I've about 1,200 files on, on New Zealanders as well. And uh, they include, obviously, Jacinda Ardern, and they include uh, um, many of the leading Maori radicals, and et cetera, that are, that are currently plaguing the country. Thank you. And Trevor Loudon, that's L-O-U-D-O-N, trevorloudon.com. Trevor, I wish you well. I thank you thank for you, your Rodney. work. I thank you for coming on our show. It is it is a, you gave us a big dose of reality today on Reality Radio. Um, <laughs> tell me, um, would you come on again with us? Oh, look, always a pleasure, Rodney. Yeah, I've, I've um, yeah, I, I've, yeah, no, no problem. I, I just, I'm super concerned about what's happening in New Zealand. You know, it's my home and uh, I'm happy to comment on it at any time. Happy to be yeah, part you. of the show. I love what you're doing. Um, I've, I've been interviewed by Chantal a couple of times in the past and uh, it's great to see you guys working together. And, and uh, it is great. Well, I feel, know. I feel incredibly liberated and I feel a great weight off my shoulders because I've done a bit of radio and I've done a bit of uh, writing and I always felt um, slowly and slowly and slowly until it grew and grew and grew that, you know, you, you weren't free to express yourself and yeah. how you could say things. And this has just been hugely liberating. But thank you, Trevor. All the best for your trip back to the States. We'll be in touch. That was my old school colleague, uh, Trevor Loudon, who 
is an amazing human being. Uh, he's working in the States now with his American wife, doing documentaries and speaking tours and appearing on all the big uh, conservative shows. Um, he's a big hit over there um, with his analysis. Um, he was a prophet here in New Zealand, actually, because uh, from the 1980s, he was aware of New Zealand's direction of travel. He made it his business to study uh, the radicals, the intellectuals, and what they were saying and where their were ideas uh, were coming from. Uh, and so today's events and the headlines aren't a surprise to him. Um, they're probably just sad and tragic. And if we're to understand what's happening, uh, we need to understand where these ideas are coming from and what their genesis is, because ultimately it's bad philosophy. Um, it's the barbarians, uh, the people that don't hold to Western values of civilized debate, of reason, of individual dignity, of family, of belief. Um, of belief in truth and the belief of right and wrong. That's what we're up against. And Trevor Loudon, man, he's onto it. You with Reality Check Radio, it's uh, Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Real Talk with Rodney Hyde on RCR Reality Check Radio.